Welcome to the Haringey Education Partnership Brief. It's Tuesday, the 19th of April. I'm Lee. And I'm Maya, and we're here to bring you up to date with what's happening in education. Here's what you need to know this week. TES has reported more than one in three teachers have no mental health training despite fears of a growing mental health crisis among children. The survey published last week noted teachers in primary schools were least likely to have received training. More than half of those responding to the survey also said that the number of students and pupils in their school with socialisation difficulties or poor mental health had increased greatly compared to before the pandemic. TES reported on new data showing secondary school teacher vacancies are at a five-year high, with a 12% increase since the last comparable year, 2020. General teacher vacancies, primary and secondary, in the first three months of this year have also risen by 29% compared to 2020. Design and technology saw the largest increase in vacancies, rising by 51% between 2020 and 2022. Schools Week reports on teacher unions repeated calls to reintroduce free testing after new guidance confirmed pupils with a high temperature should not sit exams. The guidance states where a candidate still wishes to attend an exam despite having symptoms, for example a high temperature, or a positive COVID-19 test, the centre should encourage the candidate to follow the UKSHA's guidance. There are no details on what schools should do if a symptomatic or COVID-positive pupil insists on sitting their exam. This week's Deep Dive, the Education White Paper. Before Easter break, the government released the first Education White Paper in six years on the 28th of March, 2022. The White Paper, titled Opportunities for All, Strong Schools with Great Teachers for Your Child, sets out upcoming policy changes and new attainment targets for pupils. Here at HEP, we're going to break the White Paper down for you and give you the most important information contained within. Then we'll cover some reactions to the publication from education organizations and leaders. Before we start, it's important to know that no immediate action is required from schools. Here are some of the more crucial points. First, there'll be no changes to the national curriculum until at least 2024. By 2030, the government wants 90% of pupils to achieve the expected standard in reading, writing and maths by the time they leave primary school. For secondary schools, they want to increase the national GCSE average grade in both English language and maths from 4.5 in 2019 to 5 in 2030. To aid in achieving these attainment goals, the government has committed to instituting tutoring as a go-to intervention option, a parent pledge for pupils that are falling behind, a menu for pupil premium spending, and new freely accessible curriculum resources. Expectations for attendance have also been introduced, with a new system for recording attendance and a mandated minimum 32.5-hour school week. New behavioral guidance and Ofsted inspections for every school by 2025 were mentioned, along with new national professional qualifications to be introduced and accompanying CPD. But the main topic of the white paper was its section about the plan for an academy-led school system, which it said would be in place by 2030. This plan was announced previously, but mentions of LA-led trusts, meeting definitions of trust strength, accountability, admissions and trust scalability were all new additions to the plan. HEP's Chief Executive Officer, James Page, shared his thoughts about the document. I guess the really meaty question is, does the white paper live up to the ambition? 
The parent pledge does not appear to be particularly well defined and you'd expect a school to be in touch with their families about how well children are doing anyway. Uh, And let's hope tutoring can make a difference. But we started that back at the start of the pandemic. Similarly, on the curriculum, putting Oak Academy on a statutory footing as an anti-departmental public body, thinking about the hours in the school week, these kind of things are not going to fundamentally uh, change the world. So I don't think any of these are uh, enormously transformational. No one could argue with them, but at the same time, you know, not quite up to the scale of ambition. James also commented on the white paper's case for mats. But the case for mats in there is pretty poor. Uh, If every child was performing as well as those in the strongest mats, wouldn't we all be doing better? And that's, you know, wouldn't every child be doing better if every child was succeeding at the same rate as in the strongest schools? Finally, James offered insight into what a white paper that truly embodied opportunity for all would need to include. So I think there are two things that a white paper uh, living up to the ambition of opportunity for all would really need to tackle. First off is the real professional empowerment for teachers and school leaders. The second is, what does really substantive school improvement actually look like? And funnily enough, at the heart of the white paper, that is actually what's missing. The unwritten assumption is that school improvement is simply over to mats um, because that is the answer. For us, there's having a place-based approach. So having an identity as a school in a particular area, it is still meaningful to be a Haringey school, an Enfield school or a school in any other part of the country, um, rather than kind of the overriding identity of a mat that a school is involved in. The second is that being place-based allows us to really focus on core and common values of collective responsibility. And there's a danger of losing that, um, but it's absolutely core to what we do in HEP. Jonathan Douglas, CBE, Chief Executive of the National Literacy Trust, wrote, We support the government's ambition to ensure that 90% of children leave primary school reaching the expected standard in reading, writing and maths by 2030. We believe this target cannot be achieved by schools alone and are therefore pleased to see the government's ongoing commitment to working with the third sector in order to meet their ambitions for literacy and numeracy. TES, for their part, published an article from a MAT leader focusing on the five things the white paper got right, including paving the way for a unified school system, investing in people, setting bold ambitions, refreshing the focus on reading, and re-endowing the EEF. The National Children's Bureau put out a statement that said the white paper offers some hope that we are moving in the right direction, but there is still a chasm between the resources needed to support educational recovery and the amount the government has actually made available. Our children, who have been so profoundly affected by the pandemic, deserve better. The Guardian called it underwhelming, quoting one commentator who said, I'd give it a C- or a GCSE grade 4. It's a pass, but not a good one. In sum, there's not much to object to, little to inspire, and inadequate funding to achieve any of its stated ambitions. This term at HEP. Tracy Campbell is back this term for the final sessions in the Defining and Embedding Inclusive Behaviour Management Practice series. It isn't too late to get involved as all previous sessions were recorded. Sign up to the next workshop on Thursday the 21st of April at 4pm to get the answers to questions such as how can adults in school increase their capacity to respond rather than react to challenging behaviour and what is the effect of these responses on the relationship between students and staff. 
The BAME Achievement Conference is taking place on Thursday, the 28th of April at 9 a.m. The theme this year is Creating a Culture of Belonging. Tickets are free to all, and the conference will be hosted online so everyone can come along. Kate Jones will be joining us as part of HEP Talks, The Big Idea, on the 5th of May at 4 p.m. She will be leading a masterclass on retrieval practice, covering all topics from task design, common mistakes and how to avoid them, as well as retrieval practice with children who have SEND or EAL. All sessions are virtual and are available to book on our website. This week, we've been watching Why Knowledge Matters in the Common Core Era. This recorded conference from 2016 featuring Dr. E.D. Hirsch Jr. and put on by the Brookings Institute is an interesting look into Hirsch's book and his educational philosophy, specifically the importance of having a solid, coherent and cumulative curriculum. The points made are still highly relevant today. Watch it on the events page on brookings.edu or through our link in the show notes. This week we've been listening to A New Movement on Standing Rock on Codeswitch. This episode of Code Switch looks at the building of a brand new school on the Standing Rock Reservation, which focuses on teaching and learning in the Lakota context. This is a community designing a school and learning environment specifically for their children to thrive in the way they need. Listen to Code Switch wherever you get your podcasts. This week we've been reading Five Things We've Learned This Term About Pupil Absence from the FFT Data Lab Education Blog. The FFT Data Lab Education Blog typically offers great data-driven insights into relevant educational topics, and this post is no different. Pupil absence, which has been a concern since the beginning of the pandemic, remains high, but the reasons and severity may be more complex than you think. Read the blog at FFT Data Lab or through our link here. That's it for our Tuesday, the 19th of April, Het Brief. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, share on social media, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This brief has been written and produced by Maya Cardwell and Luke Kemper. Music by Shane Ivers. We'll see you next week.